Who are you? What does it mean to be human? What is truth? Is your red the same as my red? Is free will truly free? What is morality? Join us as we explore these ideas and more in The Philosopher's Stone. What are beliefs and convictions? How do they help us? How do they harm us? How do or should they relate to truth? Hello fellow alchemists and stoners and welcome back to another episode of Philosopher's Stone where we do just a little bit of game chair philosophy. Here on Philosopher's Stone... Just a little. Yep, just a little. Here on Philosopher's Stone, our purpose is to spark synergistic conversations on a myriad of complex and complicated topics. Not too unlike my relationship status on Facebook. <laughs> so we have a really exciting episode for you guys today, and I am really excited to dive into that. But before we do that, Darren, how are you doing? Doing good. It's been been another couple of weeks, but yeah, just been good, honestly. How about you? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. No, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Just just plugging away through school and yeah just just kicking ass and taking names all that kind of good stuff and yeah doing pretty good doing pretty good have you have you read anything interesting came came across any interesting ideas yeah i started a new book called interior freedom and it's really interior. cool i sorry said, what you said interior decorating yes basically so I think we've talked on the podcast before this idea of like most people think of freedom in terms of things that they can do, but like freedom is really like there, there's a sense of internal freedom of like having yourself put together enough to where you can actually go out and do things. Mm. (laughs) And this book, I really think kind of builds on that idea and explores how, yeah, how to grow that and how to live in that. So it's been been very interesting. Nice, nice. Yeah. How about you though? Anything interesting? Yep. There are a few things. So I did just finish reading The Art of War by Sun Tzu, which was yeah, it was very interesting, very it's very cool to kind of see kind of the some of the thought processes back in the day and you know kind of how they how they saw kind of the battlefield and I it does seem there do, do seem to be aspects of it that can be applied to other areas of life. There, there was a quote in there that did kind of, kind of catch my interest, and the quote went something like, "An army can be stripped of its spirit, and the commander in chief can be stripped of its presence of mind." And so when I read that, I kind of thought about current events. So I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." So. Yeah. Yeah, so I did. So I finished the Art of War, and right now I'm currently working through Forty Eight Laws of Power, and I think I just finished the the fourth law this morning. And it's okay. It makes the the what they talk about makes sense, but I don't know. There, there's still ideas I'm still grappling with because they they borderline. They kind of it's definitely a gray area from like. In my personal opinion, morally speaking, it's like the first, I think the first law was, you know, never outshine the mas- the master. Second law is basically conceal your, your intentions. I think the law I just read was, or I think the second law was like, beware of friends, but make enemies an asset or something like that. And then I think the third one was uh, conceal your intentions. And then the one I just read was about... I gotta remember. I forget. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to to look at and to kind of you know think about the about those in power, and it's like are they are these things that they're actively using? Are these things that they have used to to get into the positions that they they are get or that they are in? And so yeah, just just a lot of wrestling with with these ideas and and that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting. I'd. I would definitely recommend reading it just for information's sake and, and just kind of dealing with those wrestling ideas, but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, sounds interesting. We So, as far as the podcasts go, 
Uh, this is going to be our last episode. For, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we're done. Yep. No, after this, after this conversation, we're calling it quits. You know, you guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, we we got some things planned. Some some exciting things coming up. We are not going to spoil them for all of you just yet. You will all see in due time. But as far as the the server goes, yeah, nothing really too crazy has changed other than just updated the the it's the debates channel has now become the discussions channel and the discussions channel has been updated so be sure to pop in there look at all the different topics that we've covered so far in this podcast and feel free to add new topics and add your thoughts and all that kind of good stuff and yeah i think that's i, I don't think there's too much else other than, other than that yeah i do i do believe we will be popping in a vox populi for just a brief little bit after this episode so those listening to the live recording feel free to join us in there express your ideas and opinions and thoughts and all that kind of good stuff per usual yes sir is there is there anything else i'm missing i don't think so i think that's about it all right so without further ado let's dive into the topic for today's discussion and that topic is beliefs and convictions so before we dive into this topic, as always, I'd like to give our full disclosure that to us, information is information and neither true nor false, right nor wrong, good nor bad. And our responses to these topics are merely our subjective perspectives of the assumed objective reality. We are not subject matter experts, and as such, we would like to invite all of you to join the discussion through the public discourse channel by adding any questions, comments, perspectives, and or experiences you might have in relation to the topic at hand. And now, without further ado, let's dive into the topic of beliefs and convictions. And before we, as we get into this this discussion, I would like to make a couple of quick notes. One, we don't really have working definitions for beliefs and convictions. As we're trying to kind of like, kind of define what those are. So this is kind of a little bit more of an exploratory kind of conversation, trying to figure out what beliefs and convictions are. And then, secondly, I will be... Like I will admit that a lot of my perspectives, my perceptions of of beliefs and convictions, have been heavily influenced by Tony Robbins through his book *Awaken the Giant Within*. And I don't know if he talked about beliefs and convictions specifically in *Unlimited Power*, but I think he does kind of talk about about that a little bit. So I think some of the some of the perspectives and insight I intend on on bringing in will be heavily influenced from from some of his some of his ideas so i would like to kind of give a quick disclaimer on that front as well again i'm not regurgitating his ideas i just it's my interpretation of his ideas but i just wanted to throw that out there give credit where credit is due where where some of my ideas are coming from so darren i'd like to ask you the, the first question when i say beliefs and convictions what how do you rationalize what beliefs and convictions are? Because to me, they seem to be very an intimate aspect of of us and kind of the human nature. So, what what are beliefs and convictions? What role do they play in in living life? And in yeah, what's your what's your what's your take on on beliefs and convictions? Yeah, I'll just kind of give my knee jerk reaction, then we can kind of talk about it. But I. I do like something I think Jordan Pearson has said of like beliefs is a collection of ideas out of which you act, right? So your beliefs are the way in which you act is representative of your beliefs. It's what you do, what causes you to do the things that you do. And so as far as beliefs go, that's what I think that is. It's just it's what you do and why you do what you do. And then I think conviction is a little bit different i think conviction is i don't know knee-jerk reaction which i could be way off on this i think it's almost like the vigor with which you do things right like Mm -hmm. you could be like oh i think this is kind of good to do in which case you wouldn't have much conviction or you could be like no this is the thing to do right and in which case you have a bunch of conviction Hmm. so i and yeah yeah, that that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction. Okay. I don't know, what do you think? I I think a couple of things. I think so I I do agree with with kind of your your presentation of Jordan Pearson's idea that that our actions are dependent are 
a physical manifestation of of our beliefs. Yeah. And I think that's something that's kind of congruent with with kind of Tony Robbins his idea of of beliefs. The way Tony Robbins kind of expresses the idea of of beliefs and convictions is that beliefs beliefs and convictions kind of lie on the the same plane, I guess you could say, but convictions is kind of a little bit more on the extreme end and the way beliefs and convictions kind of come about is you have like you just imagine kind of a table right a tabletop or something and you know you could say that the surface of the the table is kind of the belief or the conviction and then the way that that table stands is through references through the through the legs otherwise known as as references right and so like whether that's life experiences or that's you know scientific data or what have you you build your beliefs and you build your convictions with your with these these reference legs. And so if you want to change a belief, then you look at the references, what's holding up the belief, and you basically weaken the legs. You start taking the legs out. Okay, well, this doesn't make sense with the belief, so we're going to have to change that. You know, start taking away the references, and the next thing you know, the belief just kind of collapses, and then you replace that belief with something else. And to support that belief, you you put more reference legs under there and eventually you you come to I guess a conviction and I think with I do like the way that you put conviction specifically and that it's not just the the way you act but the vigor in which you act however I don't know if I would necessarily I would say that the the vigor in which you act is a reflection of the conviction but I don't think that the the vigor itself is necessarily the conviction itself if that makes sense. Yeah. And so but yeah, I, I do think I do think the vigorness <laughs> of the action plays you know, it can give some some indication as to how deep the belief or how deep the conviction conviction is. I do think that Sometimes conviction can be perceived as as something that's like it's it goes a step further than than belief in the way that that words a step further than belief in that no amount of evidence to the contrary would convince an individual that that conviction may be erroneous if that makes sense so let's take flat earth theory for example right no amount of if someone is really convicted that the earth is flat then no amount of contrary evidence a like you know a, the curvature of the horizon or seeing things you know disappear on the horizon and you know even images of of the earth from the international space station right no amount of of contradicting evidence and scientific evidence would persuade someone who's convicted that the earth is flat it's not going to persuade them to to change their belief right and so i think there is maybe some some hazard to that as well and we'll kind of get to to kind of benefits and and i guess harm to to beliefs and convictions in a second but yeah, yeah i think that that'd be my kind of response to I guess we we are kind of saying the very similar things in that in that belief are beliefs and convictions are definitely fundamentally ideas that we that we hold and through those beliefs is how we really perceive the world. We believe those things to be true. We are convicted that those ideas are true and as such we perceive the world in that way and through that we we act in the way that is consistent with those. Well, a few things now come into my head. First and foremost, I think a quick clarification. No. I I think beliefs are... Okay, several, several things. So, one clarification. Beliefs and convictions are not your actions in and of themselves. But you act based off of what you truly believe. Yes. And, yeah, which we kind of inadvertently said, but I want to say it overtly that way, just that clarification is there more explicitly yeah this is explicit content guys <laughs> kidding I, I label it as that on the, <laughs> the episodes but as best as i understand the way in which the world operates right you have objective reality you have the things that actually exist right and hu as human beings we're capable of this crazy thing called abstraction 
The what? Abstraction. What's that? Basically, it's what allows you to, whenever you see a desk chair and a couch and a stool and a dining chair, to somehow put all of those as this abstract object in your head as a seat. Hmm. Right? Yeah. It's this crazy thing that we're able to do, right? So we're able to abstract off of the world. This I don't remember what all we covered in our physics versus metaphysics episode, but this is kind of the main thing that we were wrestling with in that episode. So we're able to abstract, which is very, very useful. And then I think our perception is based off of that abstraction, right? We're beings of perspective. We're subjective by nature. And so you act based on the perception you have off of the abstracted world from the real world. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I think your beliefs is the foundation of that abstract world. It's the base way, it's the base paradigm and worldview out of which you see the world around you. Hmm. And we might even be able to say that there's a hierarchy of beliefs. Some are more fundamental than others, right? We, we could say, like, the idea that you can know the world around you from empirical evidence might be a more fundamental belief than believing the Earth is round or flat. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we might even be able to say that, but that, I think, is belief, right? Then I think conviction, I, I don't think conviction makes your belief immutable. I think that your belief can still be highly, highly immutable but you can just be very well-founded on it. And so two different ideas with conviction, first and foremost, I think is kind of the way in which we are kind of referring to it here is like you are going to stand firm on your belief, right? You're going to stand firm on what you know and what you understand. And then I think there's also another kind of conviction, right, that we refer to whenever we say, oh, you've been convicted of a crime, right? And, and so that kind of, almost a personal attack form of conviction. And so what I think both of those are truly pointing at is might be, and a better definition of conviction might be the found the, as well as you consciously know of the foundation of your belief. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So like I can say, Oh, I believe the earth is round, right? but I don't really know what that's based on, so I don't have much conviction in it, right? So if somebody comes up to me and says the earth is flat, it's like, ah, okay, right? Like, I'm not really going to change my mind, but I'm also not going to try and change yours. Like, I don't, it doesn't make much difference to me whether it's flat or whether it's round. And so, yeah, like, there's not much conviction there. Or I can, like, know the scientific evidence, understand the way in which the worldview shifts whenever you look at from flat versus round, so on and so forth. And then I'll have a ton of conviction. Somebody says, hey, the Earth is flat. It's like, no, I'm actually going to give a defense for why the Earth is round, because I actually know the basis of my belief. Hmm. So I think a couple of things with that. There, in my world religions class back last last summer, my professor brought up a I think it was my professor that brought up a a case of it was and I'm not I'm not saying this of of don't try to read between the lines and hear what I'm not saying because there's nothing I'm not saying that I'm not already saying if that makes sense <laughs> actually there's a lot that you're saying that you're not already saying <laughs> but what I'm saying is <laughs> So supposedly there is like a debate between some religious guy and I I want to say it was who's the big atheist dude. It's like Sam something. I f- I forget what his name is. Sam Harris? Yeah, it might have been him. Might have been somebody else. I don't remember. But there's a debate basically between a religious individual and an atheist and they were kind of going back and forth and the religious individual said he made the argument that he's he said there is nothing that you can present to me that will change 
my belief or a change or that that will there's nothing you can say that will convince me to change my to change my perspective to change my belief and the atheist guy said and that's why we can't have this discussion and so i'm not saying again i'm not i'm not you know don't hear what i'm not saying i'm not you know saying one side's better than the other what i'm am pointing out is that the reason why I kind of talked about conviction in the way I talked about it is because in that scenario, it does seem there does seem to be some level of conviction. But I think so. Real quick, though, is that conviction, or is that cognitive dissonance, or willful blindness, willful ignorance? Yeah, I think I think it's both. I think sometimes convictions can be taken to a point where. In order to maintain those convictions, one has to maintain willful blindness or willful ignorance. And I think that can be, and maybe this is kind of getting into how they can harm or benefit us, but I, I do think that convictions are subject, I think because of the extremeness of the nature of conviction in relation to belief, I think there, there, there is some. Maybe we can go straight into to the benefits and and you know harm of beliefs and convictions. But yeah, I think there is there. I think conviction lends itself to to being resistant to change when faced with contrary evidence or when faced with with contrary arguments if that makes sense because if if you kind of go with the the tabletop view you have so many reference legs that ideally you have so many reference legs you're not just like holding the table up by your with your hand and be like well this is you know <laughs> yeah but yeah so i think i think there is some level of 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 hazard in that regard but yeah and i like one caveat i would like to say to that is like you know, I'm a little bit of a religious guy. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to say anything <laughs> negative about anyone. I'm just. I, I know. I know. You're bringing that up as yeah, as a point, and I do think that's something worth discussing. One thing I would like to say though is like, where I'm at at this point, I, if I were to be in a conversation with an atheist, I don't. Like putting myself in that guy's shoes, I don't, I don't think that there's something an atheist could say to change my mind because there's too much they have to account for in well, my life personally. Well, I would argue that there's a difference between, again, I think there's a difference between willful ignorance or willful blindness, willful cognitive dissonance, right? To, to not even. To not even entertain the arguments being presented. Yeah. I think that's, I think there's a difference between that and then being, and then entertaining the contrary arguments and being like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but here's my evidence to the contrary, to that contradict, uh, to that contrary. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think one is, is, I, I would agree with kind of the, the atheists in that regard in that there's no conversation to be had because because one part of the party or one one literally one half of the of the conversation isn't even willing to has literally shut themselves off from the conversation. Whereas I think in my personal opinion, humble subjective opinion, and as much as as much as I know you, Darren I would think that you'd be the kind of person to think about the argument. Okay, well, you know, and here's, you know, I don't think that you'd be the type of person to, 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 yeah. I, I think I would, I would argue that you'd be the kind of person to be able to hold a a legitimate, you know, intellectual discussion on 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 things. But yeah, yeah. And so I, 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 I think there's. Because, like, yeah, I do think that there is a line there. Because in order to engage in conversation, you have to, in order to really have a real conversation, you have to be able to understand what the other person is saying, right? Uh-uh. So, 
I was going to crack a joke, but it didn't come to me in time. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to know what the other person is saying. And so I think, yeah, I, I think that as long as the communication is actually happening properly, there is still a conversation to be had. Because oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes there's just a difference in definitions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of the first thing is, and, and so I think from the perspective of somebody not willing to actually understand the other person's arguments and try and understand what they are actually saying about the world, then yeah, there isn't a conversation to be had. But I do think you can go into a conversation, stand strong on what you know, right? And if some, you know, still wrestle with the arguments, but still expect to not have your beliefs changed. Yeah. And, and and not that you're afraid of changing your beliefs, not that you're defensive about your beliefs. You can put all of the guards down. And I think you have to be a very well-integrated individual in order to be able to do this. Put all of your guards down and say, hey, I know what I know, and I'm going to rely on that understanding. And if something comes up that's bigger than my understanding, well, then yes, I'm going to change it. Yeah. But I think at some point you get enough legs under your table that instead of a table, you just have a block. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, guys, this block is here and it's not moving. (laughs) But yeah, I I do think that there is a line there. Yeah. But I think conviction is knowing what is underneath your beliefs. I think that you can have a belief, you can know that you have reasons for it, but you don't always know what those reasons are. But when you know what those reasons are, you hold that belief differently. Maybe we can make a little bit of a distinction here in that if, and then, yeah, I think we should, we can make a little bit of a distinction here that someone who goes into a discussion and relays good arguments for their conviction, I think we, it's safe to say that that, what they, what, what that is a reflection of is a true conviction. Whereas if someone goes into a discussion and simply repeats basically surface level information and doesn't dig any deeper and simultaneously is not willing to entertain the intellectual and like mentally enter- entertain the opposing arguments, I think we can. It'd be safe to say that that is is feigned conviction. That's that's a pseudo conviction. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because they're not relying on their their reference legs. They're not relying on the the evidence for their convictions. They're just a repeating. You know, there's no depth to their to their conviction or to a true conviction to or yeah, yeah. depth to their conviction. So yeah, I think that is that is a a distinction we can make and if that's a distinction that we can make then i would like this conversation as we continue this conversation i would like to focus more on the the actual convictions one true convictions true yeah. convictions yeah because that i i think that kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier the difference between like conviction as in you're standing on what you believe versus conviction of like oh this thing is contrary to what i've been doing or what i've been believing I think there there's an understanding of conviction there of conviction is the base legs, right? And so you can be convicted of something if base legs are removed or put under something. And then you can act in conviction when you are standing on the legs that hold the table up. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Not really, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Anyways, we can move on with the discussion. <laughs> I'll just go hide in a hole somewhere. <laughs> That's all good. This wasn't like my my experiment, quote unquote, experiment <laughs> a couple, a few episodes ago. That was disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. So, so yeah, beliefs and and convictions. I think. So since we kind of we're kind of we've kind of developed at least somewhat of a working idea of what beliefs and and convictions are, I'd like to kind of go into kind of their their purpose, their utility, and 
and maybe even kind of dive into like you know whether or not they're they're beneficial they're harmful how do you know which ones which ones are which and kind of really kind of get at the the heart of this of these these two ideas that really seem again like kind of like like you said they really seem to be very very intimate with with us as human as subjective human beings and so a couple of ideas i would like to i would like to submit the first idea is in my ethics class we one of the the first things that we kind of talked about was was the idea of knowledge and the way that knowledge was defined was justified true belief or true belief with evidence and so i'd like to kind of take a look at the belief part of that and i guess how does that relate to to knowledge and then secondly a second idea i'd like to pose is you know kind of according to tony robbins and i i i would tend to kind of uh, agree with him in that you know he kind of talks about the like our our master system right and where beliefs is a is a very huge part of it beliefs habits you know our our perceptions and stuff and stuff like that and he argues that we can change our beliefs to help us like we can leverage this idea of beliefs to to help us individually you know live better lives and and things like that and to 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 grow and to to get closer to where where we want to be and so yeah i guess what are your what are your thoughts on on those two ideas or if you just want to pick one we can run with it and we'll come back to the other yeah i think one thing with your definition of knowledge is justified true belief well i think our def I, I think you have a little bit of a redundant definition at that point in which well belief is with conviction under it belief is something with legs under it so you have evidence which means it's should be true and so then knowledge is justified true belief and but belief should have evidence mm, you see would, what i'm saying i would disagree a little bit because i think ideally yes ideally you know your your belief should be held with with evidence and ideally the belief would should be true and personally the way i would define true is is in in line with the objective world at least that's that's kind of my my subjective perspective but i think it's entirely possible to to have a justified belief that's false i mean again look at flat earth theory <laughs> you can say that so okay let's let's yeah I th but i think my point more so is like People, people can believe in flat Earth theory, and that can be false. But that doesn't mean the knowledge they have is false. The knowledge they have is still knowledge. Uh, so I think, I mean, I I guess you can. Maybe this is a, a case of a little bit of a of a difference in in terms. I guess you could say, sure, they have knowledge, but I would I would argue that 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 the knowledge is true in the sense that the the arguments that quote unquote support flat earth theory exists and I don't want to get hung up on flat earth theory but I don't know if I necessarily say the arguments themselves would be true so like if if I were to take a calendar right and this is kind of one of the examples we kind of talked about in in the ethics class a little bit and I'm I am kind of changing up the example a little bit but like you have a calendar on the wall and say i'm trying to figure out when your birthday is right and so so i throw a dart at the calendar the dart lands on may 15th and i'm like yep that's that's darren's birthday right there may 15th and you could be like and so i believe that your birthday is may 15th right and so you would ask me okay when is when is my birthday and i would say may 15th it's like okay because why? How do you know that? What's your justification? What's your evidence? It's like, well, I threw a dart at the calendar and it landed on May 15th. Therefore, your birthday is on May 15th, right? So I have a belief with evidence. However, your birthday is not May 15th. And so it would be a, 
a false belief with evidence, if that makes sense. So, but what I'm saying is, I think you can have knowledge that doesn't exist. What? You can have knowledge that's false. Uh, again, I think this is a, a difference in in terms. Like, I think, I think true knowledge should be true. Like, you could say, sure, I have knowledge that your birthday is May fifteenth, right? That's that's something that is in in my my brain. That's in my head, right? But I wouldn't necessarily say that's that's knowledge as it relates to the real world. Yeah, and so this is. And so I I would argue that that's that that's a belief, right? But that belief isn't true. And yeah, I'm not saying that the knowledge is true. But no, no, no. I so, and I think the only like we can just we can't necessarily say that it's knowledge. I think the best that we can say is is the example I gave is that is a false belief with evidence. Therefore, it doesn't fit under the definition of of knowledge. But like there, there's so many things I think would fall into that example. Game rules, for example, like th- those are just something we came up with, and we act out. Can you not have knowledge of a, of the rules to a game? Because that the only reason that aligns with the world around you is because we all agreed on it. Uh... So I think that that definition falls apart fundamentally if that's really what you define knowledge as. And then the other thing is that that means that your knowledge has to also be the collection of ideas out of which you act. But I think you can know of things, but not necessarily act out of them. Well, I think there are arguments to be had against that definition, but I I don't want to get hung up on, on the definition of knowledge. I just want to try to talk about how belief relates to relates to the knowledge given the the fundamental definition of knowledge is justified true belief the belief part is what i like to like to focus on gotcha and so i i think i fundamentally disagree with that definition though (laughs) i i think there's there's some utility to it i think i think as a working definition it has some validity to it i think there could again there could be there are arguments that have been posed against the against that where like you said the 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 definition does kind of fall apart but just with this working definition like like and really belief beliefs relation with knowledge and let's stick with true knowledge like knowledge that is related to to the real world so guess how does how does how do you know and how do you figure out what what beliefs would be in alignment with with i guess reality uh, i don't know that's probably yeah. pro- probably a poor way of asking that question but or that's no, probably a poor question, question <laughs> makes sense though is like okay let's say there's belief and there's true truth right so there's belief and then there's the actual reality that exists how can you know whether or not what you're acting out of is representative of reality and going back to what i said earlier of you act out of an abstract perspective of reality right mm-hmm. you want that to be you don't want that to get too far away from reality otherwise you're just going to start running up against issues and you're going to start hurting yourself right you're, I, you're eventually you're going to run up against the concrete walls that exist i i was listening to, to a podcast a i think it was last week very good very good podcast by the way it's uh, it was called the bridge hosted by Haley strategic and he had Mike Jones from Grantham on there, and they're kind of talking, and Grantham was like, because he teaches people on like survival and stuff like that, and he's like, when, you know, people find out very quickly when nature collides with ideology, more often than not, ideology always wins. <laughs> I'm sorry, not ideology, nature always wins. When nature coll- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I had to confuse. And I like, I. <laughs> Yeah, nature when con- nature collides with ideology, more often than not, nature always wins. I think some, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I I do think that some people do have a have the capacity to maintain willful ignorance of nature and try to brute force their ideologies through. But 
I think fundamentally there is some validity to that. So yeah, I was just kind of echoing off of off what you said from what somebody else said. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think first and foremost, which this can be a very long process, is figuring out what your beliefs are based on. Like, why do you think what you think? And like getting as critical as you can with that, I think is just an excellent step because if you hold up a belief very, very keenly, right? And you look under it and there's nothing under it. Like, why are you still holding that up? Yeah. And I think what... Hmm. So kind of stemming into kind of the benefits of having belief and conviction. I think that if you don't have strong belief, you can't have real conversation. I pretty firmly believe that. That like if you don't know what your beliefs are based on, I can say I believe this and regurgitate the same lines as everyone else as to why I believe it. And you can say you believe the opposite of it and regurgitate the same lines that they say. But we're 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 not conversating at that point. Yeah, it's we haven't internalized the belief. We haven't taken the ideas presented and be like, okay, does that actually make sense? Or again, like you said, am I just quoting a memorized script like is there but i think kind of another another idea i'd like to throw out there in relation to kind of what you were talking about with you know you have your table your your belief and you look under there's no reference legs right so why are you holding that belief i think i was having a conversation with a friend of mine way back several years ago and we we're kind of talking it wasn't necessarily unbelief specifically but we were kind of talking about like how people get information how they they develop their their well i guess beliefs and their convictions and their ideologies really and we came to the conclusion that that a lot of people it's it to us it seems like it's it's easier to have a a pre-established belief and through that belief through that bias really you go back through and build up your evidence for that belief yeah. Whereas we kind of came up with, I think the harder thing is to look objectively and unbiased at at the evidence that supports both sides. If you're if you're looking at two different two different beliefs, two different contradicting contrary beliefs, right? You look at the evidence for both sides. You you really you look at both sides, and then from there decide which one has the more legs it has the more support for it and then from there decide which you know which which belief to hold and so i think that that method is significantly more difficult or to just look at a bunch of evidence and draw a new belief out of it yeah there's that option. Well, it, it gets even worse than that it gets even more convoluted and complicated than that because the very way in which you talk the very way in which you currently understand things shifts your perception and this is something that we've kind of talked about before there is no objective perspective there is an objective reality but there is not an objective perspective no i'd say my perspective is very objective well you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) but like i was saying before you have objective reality, right? You have your abstraction of objective reality, which is the way in which you interpret the world, and then you act out of that. Hmm. The issue is it literally shapes the way in which you look at the world, right? Mm-hmm. Think about when you're walking on the sidewalk versus when you're driving in a car. When you're driving in the car, you're paying attention to street signs, you're paying attention to like lights, you're paying attention to traffic, so on and so forth. When you're on the sidewalk... For the most part, you filter all that stuff out until you come at a crosswalk, right? Yes. Like, you, your brain automatically shifts. It's context... I forget the term, but, like, context flipping. Your brain flips the rules by which it's living based on the context in which you're in. Based on the external environment. Yeah, but also based on... Based on the external environment, but also based on how you perceive yourself. So, really, how you perceive yourself within that external environment, really. Exactly. What is yeah. your role within the environment? Yeah. 
and exactly so because, yeah sorry go ahead where where this comes important right like it's incredibly useful it's a wonderful thing it's what allows us to hop in cars and somehow instead of thinking oh i need to turn the steering wheel so that the wheels turn so that we make the left hand turn we just say oh i need to go that way and our car just goes that way and it's absolutely wonderful does but the issue rear, with it huh does my rear axle have a differential <laughs> <laughs> yeah we 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 don't consider that stuff or you you know you just pick up a pencil and immediately you know everything that you can do with that pencil it's insane but the downside to it the or i wouldn't say the downside but the thing you have to be aware of is that that is happening all the time and so the fundamental way in which you look at the world is shaped by the way in which you talk and it's shaped by the way in which you already understand the world hmm. and so yeah it, it's a lot of work and the best way in which i can describe it is like it so the your perception provides so many solutions that i think it can be very very scary to sh shift your perception too much right mm -hmm. cuz if you shift it too much the utility of that perception falls apart and things don't work anymore i think not just that you you're basically submitting yourself to kind of a new it's really the unknown because you're not you're not used to that that perception it's a new the same objective world becomes an entirely new world <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> through that through that lens and yeah that can it's be very kind of cool that that can happen to us but yeah that and so it it can be very very scary to not look internally and look at what beliefs are in contention with one another what beliefs are not in alignment with one another right yeah which all of us do that imperfectly but it can be terrifying to do that because if you really pull on that thread there's a chance that everything falls apart well even then it's not just which beliefs con contradict each other but they're also what's the hierarchy of of your beliefs which yeah. beliefs take precedence or which beliefs should take precedence and so and that's again kind of another thing tony robbins kind of brings up is like I think he talked about like he was talking to people, talking to a person is like had them list out their their values, right? Their their values and and like I think two of their top values, one was freedom, the other was security, and was like, okay, how can you have these? How can you place these two values so high on your list? One of these has to give, has to submit to the other, and so yeah, I think it's very scary to take a look within and and figure out which beliefs contradict with each other and not just figure out which ones contradict but one does that mean that you have to let one belief go and hold on to the other or do you have to rearrange your beliefs into some kind of hierarchical structure where you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and so and then, and beyond that looking at the world around you to make sure that it aligns with as best as you can see what the world around you is yeah I think kind of going along with that, it's similar to right now in my ethics class, we're talking about the differences between Kant's deontological ethics and utilitarianism, where the focus of both of those is completely different. Kant's deontological ethics focuses on intent. He believes that ethics are duty-based and should be universalizable, which means that if everybody does, you know, adheres to these ethical rules then it would ideally produce benefit to everybody and you know he believes that eth the ethical rules should be very humanitarian whereas utilitarians kind of believe that ethics should be measured by hedonistic standards which which you know they're they're they focus on consequences and they're like which actions produce the most pleasure for the most amount of people and then you have rule utilitarianism that's like, okay, there's some there's some kind of downsides to to this, you know, so some people kind of in the middle there, but yeah, so like just just and then you also have like do you even morally speaking, are you moral relativist or are you moral ob objectionist? You know, free will versus determinism. Like all of these things really are based on some level of beliefs. Like I believe that I have free will. I believe that everything is determined. I believe that that 
truth is objective. I believe that truth is relative. I believe, you know, we should really be concerned about the consequences of our actions. Or I believe that it's the the intent that matters. You know what I'm saying? The list just goes on and on. And those fundamental questions can really change. Again, like you said, like how you how you act and, and what you do. And so yeah, I would agree that it's very important to to kinda take a take a look inside to, to figure out, you know, what beliefs one holds and and kind of what those beliefs can, can bring about. Yeah. And one thing I will say is like of course there's a limit to how much you can be introspective. There's a limit to how much you can really do on your own. But I think in a lot of cases, like critical conversation isn't particularly beneficial until you've done that. Because if you haven't actually looked at what your beliefs are based off of and truly sought to pursue truth and to live as best as you can according to what the world around you is, if you haven't made that choice, like what's the point of conversating with other people at that point? Or even if if you haven't if you're not in like on that journey. Yeah. Like, I would argue that personally I I am still kind of trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I think it's it it and it's a very humbling experience, I guess you could say. It's 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 not you definitely have to take a step back and be like, yeah, I I really do not fully under anything <laughs> exactly like i like what the hell <laughs> but the benefit of it is when you decide to take that journey conversation suddenly becomes perhaps one of if not the most rewarding things because suddenly you have someone else that can grapple with the foundations of your beliefs with you and so progress can be made insanely quickly once you take that step like, yes, everything might fall apart, but within a couple of months of serious conversation with just a few people, it can be built back up so quickly. I would, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I would 100% agree. And not just, it's not just, it's not that you're building, building your beliefs back up, but it's like you're, you're also getting different perspectives from other people, right? Which could yeah. be either more reference legs to support your belief or it could be okay well this reference leg doesn't quite fit it's a you know this one's a little malformed so i might need to take that one out replace it with something with something a little bit better you know what i'm saying yeah. or this you know this reference leg this reference for this belief wasn't entirely defined it wasn't entirely refined i guess you could say until you know a new perspective comes to light and you're like oh that actually makes a lot more sense that actually brings some clarity to to kind of the support i have for this belief and so yeah i do think definitely those those deep critical conversations with with other people can can definitely be a very a benefit to to developing good good solid beliefs yeah and so I think at at this point, I mean, we're we're kind of kind of on the tail end of our of our episode here, but I think I think we should talk about kind of like what are some of the the benefits and what are some of the the things we should be careful of when we when we do consider like beliefs and convictions and and things of that nature. I think we've already established that beliefs do seem to be a very integral part of us, and that's how we kind of like you said we're very subjective beings within an objective world and so in order for us to act within that world we have to have some level of beliefs through which we view the world so that we can act accordingly yeah and so how do we figure out and maybe this is kind of diving a little bit more to the the moral aspect of things but like how do you figure out i guess how do you evaluate the 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 level of benefit or the level of of i guess potential harm beliefs can either a belief or be certain beliefs or beliefs in general can can have on an individual or or all that kind of stuff hmm i yeah i think every i, I don't know that i want to get into specific beliefs because i think every belief comes with 
pros and cons, right? Hmm. And so it's like, what what are you trading off, right? If you're going to adopt this belief, what are you trading off? And I think that's actually a very useful tool when forming your beliefs is like, what is this belief going to do in your life and what's it going to result in in the lives of the people around you? And I think there's a whole other side to it as well is those effects might be contrary to other beliefs you have. And so then you have to ask yourself, okay, which one's going to rule, right? Which one's going to stick around? Which one do I have to kind (laughs) of... Yeah. Like, I think a wonderful example is like, if you value love, right? And you believe that everyone should just love one another and like get along, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Can you have conviction? In what regard? Well, conviction requires you to stand on truth even if it hurts somebody else. So can you have conviction if you also have love? So that, and like, I'm not saying that those two cannot operate together, but you have to work through the nuance of how those operate together within yourself. And so I think that's kind of the one thing that has to be considered whenever it comes to taking on beliefs and that is kind of the danger is like if you don't look at both of those at some point one of them isn't going to be satisfied and then you have to make a decision then or even then like if you say you have the belief that every human being has the capacity for love right maybe that's maybe that's a belief that can be a good belief and that that can help an individual bring out the best and other people bring out like the 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 love aspect within within people because you believe that 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 people will have that capacity naturally however i think it it can also be dangerous in where you take that belief to the extent of of being again kind of willful blindness willful dissonance from reality where people do some pretty pretty shitty things to each other <laughs> And so, but completely ignoring, ignoring that, you know what I'm saying? And so I think there could be some, some level of harm in that regard, but yeah, so I think it it really, yeah, there is definitely an, an evaluation aspect that has to take place. And then again, how do those beliefs align with your values, like your personal values and, and everything? I think, I would like to say that I think, I think another benefit to beliefs is really just the utility of it because as we've already established beliefs do beliefs do help construct our perception of the world and as such it helps us constructs our our actions how we act within the world and so i think belief can be utilitarian in some aspect and i don't mean utilitarian for, utilitarian in an ethical as, in an ethical sense I mean, utilitarian in the sense of, like, say, if there's something that I'm trying to do, I'd run run a mile. You know what I'm saying? If, if I truly believed that I could run a mile, I'm probably significantly going to be significantly... I probably have a significantly higher chance of succeeding compared to if I had the belief that I did not have the capacity to run a mile. And so I think beliefs can be can be useful in that regard in that it can you know you can take a look at how am I perceiving the world it is the perception that I hold the one that's going to produce the most benefit for me and the people around me if not well then I have to change it into something that will be you know kind of in Tony Robbins words empowering to myself and and the people around me and yeah I think I think Beliefs do have some level of of utility in that aspect as as well, some some benefit. Yeah. But then again, it could also the reverse is also true that that if you wanted to bring harm to yourself and the people around you, well, then just change your beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. I think introspection on the cause of belief is just a very valuable thing. Yeah. Absolutely, and making sure that. Everything aligns, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that is going to be about it for this episode. Thank all of you for tuning in, listening in, those listening to the live. 
discussion and those listening to the recordings. We really appreciate, love and appreciate all of you beautiful alchemists and stoners. And we will see all of you in our next episode, which I don't think we have a title for yet. <laughs> but next episode, you know, we'll we'll see you guys. Is, is there anything we should leave our audience with? Any yeah. Thoughts? Maybe just next time you're in a conversation and like it seems like both of y'all are just talking in circles and maybe you can ask them, but just try and consider like why do they think what they think and try and actually break that down. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, again, thank you everybody for listening in and until next time, always remember, think critically and live fully and we will see all of you beautiful Alchemist of Stoners in our next episode. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody.